Welcome, everyone, to episode three of the Goulet Pen Cast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's wow. show... Oh, thank you. I'm very proud of myself for getting through all that. <laughs> that was scripted, and that's literally the only part that's scripted. Um, in, in today's show, we're going to be talking about your feedback, uh, the new Namiki Yukari Tanuki, as well as new Diplomat Inc. Hello, new ink. Uh, we also have some dynamite Q&A questions that I'm actually very excited about. Drew's got a mind-melting hypothetical for you, and we're going to take a quiz about 1950s school supplies. So, yeah, it's going to be good. So you are better we? stick around for this one. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, It'll yeah. be an adventure. <laughs> so let's kick it off by talking about some of your feedback. Feedback. So a lot of folks, Brian, appreciated our hot take segment from the last episode, which it kind of became more of a soapbox segment, but that was still cool, still well-received. A lot of folks expressed their appreciation for your take on handwriting judgment and how folks should be encouraged to enjoy their handwriting for what it is and just to be in the writing and uh, not compare yourself. You know, comparison is the thief of happiness, as they say. So that was well received, and I personally appreciate it as well. Um, a it's lot my honor. Of exci- yeah, <laughs> solid, solid evaluation. A lot of excitement as well in regards to getting this put into a podcast format, which we'll have an update for you later, but people want it, so yay for that. And Brian, remember when you were talking about that pelican that you could remember the name of? It was Ocean Swirl. Yep. That was it. So that that also got brought up in the comments. We also got brought up in the comments that I mistakenly mentioned Sean Hayes as being in Two and a Half Men, but really he's the guy from uh, Will and Grace. So yeah, way off on that. They don't look at all alike. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, and then uh, a... Uh, uh, my friend Josh Yates on YouTube said, I love how Brian just enjoys seeing people be happy and excited, which is great because I'm always happy and excited. But what was even better was the reply to Josh's comment on YouTube. Graham replied to Josh and said, happiness can be more contagious than COVID-19 and a lot more pleasant. So with the whole world still being a smoldering mess, then I'm all for a few smiles and chuckles. Watching grown men geek out over tubes of metal and plastic that splash colored water onto pulped wood (laughs) triggers the same geekiness in me. It's a shared secret, a knowing nod and a nudge. We get you. Keep enjoying what you do. That's fantastic. I feel feel very seen right now. (laughs) Yes, I feel feel understood. I, yes. love it. I, I just love that. <laughs> Tubes of metal and plastic. That's. I mean, that's it, right? I'm a big fan, Drew. You know from working with me for a decade now. I'm a big fan of like jokingly oversimplifying things. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, well, we're an online pen retailer. All we have to do is buy pens and sell them for more them. than we bought them for. And like, that's, yep. all, that's all it is. But of course, it's obviously way more complicated than that. I think we usually that's call Brian, it. That's Brian's <laughs> business book. Yeah, it's a pa- it's a pamphlet. I think we usually call them like shiny ink sticks or something like that. Yeah, like when we talk to our photographers, I'm like, "Well, we got another you know round shiny object for you to photograph today." <laughs> of course, it's it's all in the nuances. It's in the details. But yeah. yeah, big fan of that. Um, I, I love found it. I found some good feedback too. This is from Aris on YouTube. 
the so we talked a lot about the Lamy 2000 last one. Yeah, like obviously we're fanboys of that. Um, so Aris said the Lamy 2000 was supposed to be my workhorse pen until I realized I didn't like my workhorse to look like a workhorse. That's a, that's a little rough, okay? But, you know, I would say it's it's that Bauhaus, right? It's that balance between utility and and uh, design. I think it's more, it's more timeless. Than yes. It, you know? So that's why it stood the test of time. More than five decades, this pen has remained largely unchanged. And right. It still, like a, a, looks, a pl- still looks contemporary. Yeah, plain chocolate ice cream might not be most people's favorite, but everybody likes it. It's chocolate. Like, you know, great. No one's going to, yeah, or vanilla for that matter. Not to say this is just chocolate or vanilla. This is better, but, you know. French vanilla, maybe? It's, 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 oh, from Mr. From Mr. Goulet, la c'est French vanilla. That's right. Um, (laughs) Another good feedback from Archivist17. Yeah, more Rachel would be cool. Short, can't, simple, can't, to the point. I yeah, agree. Can't disagree with you there, yeah. Personally, as having been probably, actually, I think I'm probably the human in the world that's had the most interaction with Rachel in her life uh, now, since we have now been together longer than we haven't, which is kind of crazy to think about because we met when we were 17. Like, I spent more time with Rachel than her parents have at this point. Isn't that weird to think about? That's really weird. Weird, right? Anyway, big fan of hers. I'll try to bring her on, but. Oh, yeah, she'll be back. Drew and I are having a hard enough time just getting a handle on this whole thing ourselves, which little fun fact here, Drew and I just recorded half of this episode. And then we realized that I'm not going to say who one of our SD cards was not properly formatted and had actually filled up. Um, And so we had to do a second take. So you're actually seeing the second take. So the first half of this should be better, more rehearsed. (laughs) Yeah. And I did mess up the intro on the first. I did mess up the intro on the first one, and uh, I'm very happy that I nailed it on the second. And now that's what's going to live in infamy. Um, Anyway, I told Drew, don't feel bad. I've totally recorded. If you remember the old Q and A back in the day, which I did solo, definitely recorded on at least three occasions that I can remember. Recorded the entire Q and A without turning my microphone on. So literally no audio, just a silent video of me talking for an hour straight. And I realized it and had to hit the record button again and do the entire thing again, back to back as if I hadn't done it the first time. So, you know, it happens to the best of us. Thank you. No judgment there. Now I got some harsh feedback, which is going to be a little raw, but I like getting all kinds of feedback, good, bad, otherwise, especially if it's, you know, very genuine, which this one clearly is. This came in privately through our customer care team, actually. Um, So I'm going to keep it anonymous because I don't know if the person wants it to be shared or not. I would assume not. So this individual said, I'd like to provide feedback on the new PenCast format. I find the videos interesting and relevant when Brian and Drew discuss pens or pen-related information. However, that doesn't seem to happen very much at all in this new format. The three PenCast videos I've seen so far have been full of what appear to be private jokes that I don't find funny. The topics are off the wall and have nothing to do with pens. The guys are constantly talking over each other to the point of creating a chaotic atmosphere. Unfortunately, I often find myself losing interest and fast forwarding five or 10 minutes at a time to get to something that's actually relevant to my interest in fountain pens. (laughs) That's harsh. Uh, And we're not done. The new pencast format is disappointing. More and more, I leave the Goulet Pen Company YouTube channel and go to Goldspot, The Pen Habit, or others for information about fountain pens. 
Okay. All right. uh, You know, honestly, you know, Drew, we've been doing this for well over a decade now, and we have pretty much seen and heard it all. So stuff like this, it gets my attention, but I'm not like losing sleep over it, right? Um, The thing I do appreciate about it is it is very honest and genuine. Like, yeah, I'm I'm personally, and you know, because you've been in customer service for a long time uh, and been here for a long time, I would always rather receive negative feedback directly than not hear anything at all because if people if people don't care they will just go away and not say anything and hate you and talk bad about you to other people online whatever if they even care enough to do that so the fact that somebody felt this strongly enough about it to actually watch them all and then give us the feedback on it that to me is actually a really good sign so it's tough but i feel like it's an honest opinion yeah, I'm and you know what? There's a ton of content out there, whether like you're talking about Tom and Matt, yeah. like this person was, or the numerous other folks out there. There's oh, a yeah. flavor for everybody, and we're not going to be everybody's flavor. There are plenty of people that I do not like. Trust me. <laughs> there are plenty of people that just oh, yeah. run me the wrong way. There's lots of content out there that's just not the right fit for me, and that is fine. We don't have to be the right fit for everybody. Just like the Lamy 2000 might not be the right fit for everybody, though it should be. <laughs> Deadpan. Uh, yeah, I, I'm totally right with you, there with you on that. I think this sounds a little bit like maybe unmet expectations. You know, this is not meant to be like a an informational, packed, you know, how-to tutorial style video. We have tons of those. We've done over 1,800 videos on this YouTube channel. That's a lot of freaking pen videos. It so is. honestly, Drew and I sometimes just get a little loopy, a little bored maybe, from answering the same things over and over again. So it's kind of fun for us to just talk about some random things and just like COVID life right now. I kind of like just having fun and like people get to watch us just having a good time, Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll put in plenty of pen related information in there as well. But this particular pen cast is meant to be less structured, less formal, that kind of thing. So if that's what you're expecting, then I'm sorry that you, have a a different expectation than what we do for producing this. So this is meant to be, again, in a podcast style where it's very long formatted. We have bulleted notes, and we we actually do have quite a bit of structure that we spend time putting this together. But it's still new, and we're still kind of evolving it. So, um, you know, it's going to change. And feedback like this actually helps us quite a bit to know when we're hitting the mark and when we're not. And we will take all of that into account. Um, Now, the one thing in here that I did want to talk about was talking about us talking over each other which I think is legit. Anytime you have two people talking about something unscripted, you're going to have some overlap in talking. We're trying to get through that. We had that in right now. We did 200 episodes of that. We talked over each other all the time, especially you bring three especially of us on there. We, especially when exactly, we first that's began, what you, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> we got better yeah, so as when we you went on to do more. The thing. <laughs> okay, now we're just being so I expect I expect it to improve. <laughs> Especially when we get Rachel in there too, and there's like three of us. Oh man, every time we would have the three of us on there, we would get feedback about talking over each other. It just happens. It's really hard. Like, do it. Record yourself talking with somebody else for an hour straight and try not to talk over each other. It's impossible. Um, So I am sorry about that, but that's just part of the nature of having a conversation. Um, Maybe just because it's in a video format, it seems different for some reason. But when you're in a group talking to 
two people, they're going to talk over each other and your brain just kind of filters that out. Anyway, um, we're going to get better at that. We're going to practice it. We're scripting it out. We're, 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 we're finding a groove. So just give us some time on that. I think it'll get better. Plus, you know, sometimes there's a delay in the video that we're streaming to each other. So we're recording this on our own separate cameras and then we're streaming to each other as well. So we can talk and hear each other, but there's technical stuff that we're working through as well. Once we're in person, maybe that'll get better. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that kind of covers that. Honest feedback, a little bit tough to hear, but still, um, I want to balance that out now. A little yin to the yang, or yang yang to the yin. Um, this comes from possibly one of the funniest, you know, YouTube handles that I've seen in a while. Unkempt platypus um, had some feedback. <laughs> said, "What an absolute delight to listen to slash watch. I love the nerding around and all the awesome fountain pen facts thrown in." As a pretty recent fountain pen user, this is great. Also, happy to have this on YouTube. Otherwise, I would have not have seen Drew's glorious shirt. And I believe this came from the last pencast. So he was talking about your Ghostbusters. Yeah, that would have been the one. So, I mean, it's a pretty amazing shirt. You got a lot of comments about that shirt. I'm hoping like that I'm hoping that I get some some compliments on my Pizza Planet. You know. That's little, a winner. Are they, are they going to, is that a pocket right there? It's a pocket. Yeah. Okay, good. So good. They're, the, the aliens are being pulled out of the pocket from the claw. Isn't that cool? Anyway. That is nice. This is actually a incredible shirt with Jack Jack on fire and all this other stuff happening Ooh, as well. Yeah. Nice. It's subtle. It's subtle. Not yeah. as out there as the Ghostbusters one, but it's. There you go. Dig it. You're getting known for your style, Drew. Uh, um, well. <laughs> next. Um, let's move on to what's happening what's happening drew and what have you been up to well brian uh did some did some outsidey stuff um this weekend with the gardening attempt it got cold here in the richmond virginia area and mm-hmm. i might have put some stuff outside a little bit too early so i brought in a lot of things things that i was pretty certain would remain outside due to their largeness and the quantity of them so my wife was very patient with me as i brought those into our living room for a couple of days so that they could be warm and cozy what's uh, so what I did that what what's what area are we in here cuz you were you were really uncertain about that in the last one <laughs> yeah a, no no we're in zone H- 7a we're in zone 7a i feel 7A. more certain about that now yeah so we are in hardy it's called the hardiness zone the agricultural hardiness zone 7a and our last frost date every zone has one i believe is april 15th so it shouldn't be treacherous after that point but we kind of had a late coldness hmm. this uh, past weekend as you know it's been chilly recently the mornings have been it has not pleasant it's gotten real so yeah hardiness so, anyway. is that like is it heartiness like with a t or is that with a d no hardy heartiness hard like hardy heartiness yes okay yes i didn't know so, that, that was a thing yeah. literally didn't it's know that a was thing. A it's a thing gotta know your hardiness zone and because it also tells you like what plants won't work in your zone. Like you buy seed packets, mm. it'll say like, all right, zones five through nine or something like that. So, huh. Well, yeah. there you go. I have a, bl- I have a I, black thumb. I can kill any plant. It's kind of a gift. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure there's a job for you somewhere. But yeah, it would yeah, be, that was, that was, that was it would be re- recording it. pen videos. That's my job, not planting <laughs> things. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I, you know, tried to, I'd got some other organic material that I'm going to fill my raised bed with, you know, logs and stuff. So yeah, the garden thing. Mm. Nice. 
And you, uh, you did some chainsawing too. I know you brought that uh, up yeah, last I time. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I did. I did borrow my brother's electric chainsaw, a little Ryobi thing. And I was surprised yeah. at how well that did. Because I was taking down this, this kind of weed tree that I have to fill that raised bed with, you know, with logs. Because the, the, the soil, you only need like, you know, a foot and a half of soil. So it, otherwise you're going to spend a ton of money on nice soil. So you fill the bottom of it with, you know, other more organic material like logs and leaves and branches and stuff. It's actually called mm. Hugel culture. It's a German mm-hmm. term for creating a bio whatever at the bottom of a raised bed. And uh, yeah, so I started doing that, but got to play around with the little electric chainsaw. I was surprised at how quiet and functional it was. So yeah. I'm a big fan. If I can put a battery on a small like yard tool instead of a small engine, I will do that any day of the week. As long as it really? like performs adequately. Yeah. You know, because especially with ethanol gas, like it just clogs up all these little carburetors and stuff. And it's oh. just, it's such a beast to maintain them. So I have to, I have like one gas station in Richmond that sells ethanol free gas. So Virginia, as a standard for those of y'all that don't know, has 10% ethanol in all of the gasoline, which is fine for larger vehicles like cars and stuff. But for small engines, it's just the worst. So uh, I actually go out of my way to drive across town and get ethanol free gas which is much more expensive too by the way but yeah. that surprises me a little bit like you do a lot of work outside and i always thought like mm-hmm. folks that did it did it a lot were like purists like you know gas the big powerful stuff and i mean it used to be that way but i feel like in the last three to five years like the battery technology has improved so where very y- true. you can legitimately like use an actual like i have an 18 inch bar chainsaw that actually holds up pretty well with like a 40 volt battery yeah it actually will I can bring that thing out, cut some trees down, and that's all I need. Now, if I got like a 20-inch diameter tree, okay, that's where the gas really comes in handy. But anyway, I love chainsaws. I have four chainsaws. That's, I mean, (laughs) you see see my property, Drew. I have a lot of trees here. They fall down all the time. I got to cut them up. So it's kind of a thing. Um, Yeah. So for me, I'll go ahead and move myself on since I can talk about chainsaws way all day long. Yeah. So um, last week, I was uh, basically a hot mess, as was the title of our you know, show. Um, I'm mostly healed from all my ales. You know, I had, I have a little bit here. I don't know if you can see, but I had really bad poison ivy here. It's, it's mostly healed. It's much better. Um, little fun fact. So for, if you have a bad reaction to poison ivy, normally they give you like a prednisone or an oral steroid. However, I had recently had my second COVID shot. And when you have a vaccine that is causing your immune system to work overdrive, like vaccines do, um, if you use a steroid, that is an immune suppressant, it can actually counteract the effects of the vaccine to the degree which they don't quite know because it's so new and not well-researched. So I was basically told by my doctor, well, I can definitely make your poison ivy better, but it might lessen the effects of the vaccine. I was like, nope, let's just work around that. So I probably suffered a little longer than I had to, but I did it for a good cause. So that was part of why my body was such a mess between the pollen that we had, you know, the bike wreck that I had, all the various things. But I'm all healed Ugh. from that. I'm doing good. And, you know, this weekend I was out there. We have a little creek that runs through our property and I was building um, some bridges across the creek, which, you know, was a lot of fun. I just I don't know. I think something about bridges in the middle of the woods is just so like magical you know, cause you're yeah. just like, you know, it's like if you're going hiking or you're going mountain biking or whatever, and you just like come across, you're like, there's this like structure, like what little wood nymph, like built this yes. bridge so that I don't have a to Hobbit run through this that. mud. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And so I got to be a little wood nymph building, That's awesome. you know, bridges across my Creek. 
um, you know, that was kind of fun. And then also, you know, a um, couple of days this week. So we're recording this on Monday. We would normally would record it on Wednesday to be published on Friday, but I'm actually going to be at a two-day virtual conference for Small Giants. So we got this Small Giants Award last year, um, which is based off the book Small Giants by Bo Burlingham. Look it up if you're interested in that, um, but very fitting to our culture. Um, so I'm doing the two-day virtual conference. It would normally be in person, but COVID life. So here we are. So I'll be looking at a computer like all day for the next two days. So had to shift a lot of things around in my schedule, but we still wanted to record the pencast. So making it happen on a Monday morning and definitely have a case of the Mondays today with the recording. <laughs> that's God. okay. But that's okay. It's still going to be a good week. And as of when this publishes on Friday, it's actually my birthday. So I will Happy be Happy future birthday. Thank you, Drew. I'm going to give my future self some advice and say... Have a good birthday. I don't really know what to say, but you know. There you go. I always joke because Drew's birthday is like a month ahead of mine. So I get like one month to talk about how much he's falling apart and aging and stuff like that. And he gets to talk about how young and naive I am, you know. Uh, and if then only. I remember back when I was 36. That's right. Yeah. I'm living it uh, up, man. I got like feel like I'm spring chicken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Felt, felt like, felt <laughs> like I had the world in the palm of my hand. Yes, indeed. And then now it slipped through my fingers That's right. right at 37. That's right. It all fell apart. Well, I got a couple days left, but as of when everybody sees this, I'll be there. I don't make a big deal about birthdays, but hey, wish me a happy birthday. That's cool in the comments, I guess. Why not? I like it. I don't not like getting birthday wishes. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to company updates. There we go. What's <laughs> up with the co- Tell us what's going on with the company, bro. I'm going to tell you what's going on with the company. Uh, first of which, you know, we have an audio podcast now, mostly. So, uh, I will be honest and say that I am riding the struggle bus on the technical side of the podcast. I feel like audio podcasts, I've been doing it for like 10 years, but I don't feel like I've gotten any better or any more knowledgeable of it. I know we all have things like this. It was the same thing with like financial accounting is the same thing with trying to learn foreign languages. I always feel like I barely understood enough to get by but I was never confident about it. And if anything ever went wrong, I was completely confused and mystified. And that's where I'm at right now with this audio podcast. So I got the podcast established. We're using Fireside, which is a way to host it and also to set up the feed to like stream through things like Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher and, you know, SoundCloud and all these things. But it's supposed to like just kind of you set it up and it works. But I set it up and it's kind of not working so well. So now I don't quite know. I have to like, like I set it all up and I'm like, great, it should be working. Oh, wait, no, the Apple podcast search index denied our feed. I'm like, the heck does that mean? Why did it deny it? What's wrong with that? And so because you're inappropriate, I guess. So it gave me no context. I literally just got an email that said it had been denied. Follow up with our customer service to find out more. And I'm like okay. And I just haven't like dove in yet and done that. And now I'm going to be like out the next two days and so, so I don't know, whatever. So I still need to get we that worked check, out. Sorry. We need to check to see if it's anywhere else, like uh, on Spotify or on Stitcher or wherever else people use their podcast. Yeah, I don't, it's all confusing. Like some of them you I have use to go, that no one else uses. some of them you have to go to the individual place and file the thing. Other ones it's like syndicated automatically. It's all a bit of voodoo to me. And so I just need to, I need to spend more time on it. But anyway, we do have the audio podcast, but it's not easily searchable, findable yet. So I'm working on it. So 
Thank you everybody for your patience there. Is there is there a way we could include like a direct link to that in the totally in the in the, yeah. in the YouTube? Thing? Yeah, we have a we have a website for the podcast, so you can still listen to it. It's still published. Oh, okay. It's just like go. I'm having trouble with some of the syndication of the podcast, so we cool. can link to it into the, into the YouTube uh, description at a minimum. Anyway, so yeah, there we go. Um, also, we had Earth Day last week, which is cool. Drew, you did a great job on Instagram stories, talking about all fun. of our various things. Yes, Drew was like... I only, I only hurt myself once. He was like climbing in and out of the recycling bin. And then like <laughs> random members of our team were just like walk by and be like, has Drew lost it? Like what is going on here? But it all came yeah, together Brand, well. Brandon saw me uh, <laughs> inside of that thing and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, to be fair... Anybody looking at you like crawling in and out of something, they'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. well, it is Drew. The, the, okay. This is this was one of the uh, outtakes of, uh, I don't know if I can zoom in on that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I uh, That was on the timer. I had slipped. <laughs> hey, it's all right. You know, you made it work. Um, so that was cool to feature some of the things that we do recycling-wise because we do care about the earth. Um, we also have a new team member, Armand, on our fulfillment team. Yay! Um, yeah, so he uh, he's actually been a temp with us for a few months now, uh, but he is now a full-fledged member of the Goulet team, which is pretty cool. So, so glad to have him on. Um, we're working on getting his picture up and stuff on the website, so not sure if we'll have that up by Friday when this broadcasts, but we'll have it up soon. So, um, very happy to have him on. Uh, and then also in the personal message last week, we talked about some UK tax stuff. Uh, I won't get into all the details, but long story short, the UK came out with some new regulations about VAT tax. And basically, they dictated that everybody in the world has to now charge for VAT tax and file it with the UK, which, um, if you can imagine, is complicated. And um, the technical side of it is not yet fully in place, even though the legislature dictates that we are required to do such things. So we have done everything that we know to do to be able to still operate as normal shipping to the UK, but we still can't, we basically can't comply and we're not big into breaking the rules. So basically because we can't comply, we can't ship to the UK for the things that comply with this new regulation. So um, basically if you have an order going to the UK from us, from anyone really under $200, there's these special taxes, what we're supposed to collect and then remit through the UK, um, you know, whatever commercial service or whatever. Um, and, uh, and we can't do it. So we are no longer able to ship under $200 orders to the UK until we can figure that out. So uh, it kind of stinks. We would like to be able to offer that, but we, we can't literally because of just limitations that are there. So that kind of stinks, never feels good, but this is the era we live in right now. There's a lot of countries that are coming out with these types of things. The EU is working on one for this summer that's probably going to be even more disruptive and terrible to have to comply with and is very, very cumbersome for small companies. Um, and so we are going to see how that goes. But the only way around it right now is to only ship things over $200. So more details on that. If you're interested, you can reach out to our team. We can get you details. But that's a thing. All right. So that yeah. was kind of a bummer to leave out, but let's, transi- let's transition hard away from that, Drew. What is on your desk, my friend? Well, Brian, uh, I can always talk about pens, but I thought I'd do something different this time because in mm. the mail, in the mail this week, I got a package from the Netherlands because I splurged and bought a bottle of Ackerman ink, which has that really cool filling mechanism. It's kind of like one of those mouthwash bottles where you squeeze it and then there's that like little cup at the top. Um, so it's really well known for that, but I wanted to get this one because it's 
Stephen Brown's ink, the SBRE Brown. And my last name is Brown too, so hooray for Brown. Hey, oh, Brown brothers. And I, yeah, I just wanted to su- support him. He's a, you know, super prolific, you know, well respected, uh, long running pen YouTuber and um, blogger. So uh, respect to him. Wanted to give him a bit of appreciation there and enjoy that nice brown ink. Um, but it also got me thinking, Brian, about hmm. cool bottles and bottles that make it easy for you to fill your fountain pen. And I realized that I have this guy on my desk at all times. And this is obviously a Namiki bottle. And it's one of those bottles, Brian, that comes with that little cup cone insert thing in the actual bottle itself. So I'm not, I can't take it out without, uh, I think I have some, there you go. I got some tweezers. So the that that the thing with the thing here oh no it's gonna be it's oh, gonna be man. filled with ink so be careful hey okay yeah here we go it's <laughs> got a cup there it's not coming out all the way i'm not gonna do that but anyway <laughs> it's got a cup it's everywhere. got it's got holes in it no i'm not gonna do it i'm being careful it's got holes in it so when you tip it upside down the cup fills with ink and it makes it super easy to fill your pen even if there's not a lot of ink left in the bottle so i fill this thing with noodler's black which is my go-to ink and I just use it all the time because it's just a cool bottle and it makes it easy to fill. And I just thought I'd share that with you because it's uh, we sell these empty. They're super cheap if you buy an empty bottle. And there are other bottles that you can do similar things with, like Noodler's bottles. You can buy the uh, Ink Miser that is also super cheap. And it's like a cup that fits in the Noodler's bottle that turns it into basically the same thing as Namiki. And there are some others too. Like I, I want to say that did Platinum... Does Platinum do that with some of their inks? I can't remember if Platinum has. I know Sailor has had some in some of their gentle inks in the past. Yeah, their gentle inks. I don't know if they still do it. I feel like they might have moved away from it. I'm not sure. Um, I know the the Twisby spare, you know, glass bottle, the Diamond 50 bottle, that that has it in there. Um, But yeah, not as many have it as I feel should. I I would love to see it in basically every bottle. Um, I think Rower and Klingner maybe has a separate insert that you can get. Um, the thing I will say, we don't Drew, sell it. Well, no, I don't think we sell it, but I know they made it. Um, oh. So, Drew, I know you mentioned that we 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 sell those Namiki empty bottles. They're not something that we can buy empty. So, I will say no. that if you know by mentioning it here, and then everybody goes to the site and buys them all. Basically, we only get them from doing ink samples, and then we have the bottle left over. So, it's pretty limited supply. So, you know, yeah, that. You, you probably won't see them regularly available ever. No, because honestly, there's only there's only blue and black, and I think maybe blue-black. Do we even sell blue-black bottles? No, just two inks. So two basically, colors. you need to wait until we need more samples, and that's not, not a that super fast-selling ink. Yeah, yeah, no. Exactly. Um, what I've been up to, though, uh, so I did get a video up on the PilotCon 70, finally. Hey. I, mentioned, I mentioned last time that I was working on it. Had to work on it some more. It ended up being many hours of work and research and contacting pilot and getting information back and forth. But I'm super happy with the outcome of that video. It was a lot of time and effort. And it was one of those things that like, ah, you would just never know. I mean, it's a, it's a 13 minute video on a converter, on a, on a, converter change so it's very not even it's not even a new product really it's an alteration so so i you know i hold that in my mind when i do get feedback about like y'all don't talk about pens i'm like i literally recorded a 13 minute video on a converter (laughs) change like we're still producing plenty of nerdtastic pen only video footage you know we're just balancing it out with some other fun stuff but i mean 
you would never guess that it took me, I don't know, easily probably 10 hours to prepare and get the information I needed to have an accurate video. And it's the kind of thing like, it's like anything else. It's like if you're painting a room in your house or whatever, it's, it's all in the prep work. And then the actual production of the thing is, is, you know, goes smooth as long as you do all the prep work properly. And that's what I was at for that. And then the other thing I've been playing with is uh, my Pilot Custom 823. So, oh, um, an old old friend. Yeah, an old friend of mine. I've had this for years. Um, You know, it's been a popular pen. I feel like it's gotten a little more popular every year for the last five, six years, probably. Um, Great pen. I love that vacuum filling mechanism, though it's not for everybody. Um, And I just, uh, I love the way that it writes. Big fan of Pilot Nibs. And I, you know, because it's vacuum filling, it's a little bit more effort to clean it out. And I usually cycle through my ink so quickly. I tend to not maybe use some of the like tougher to clean out pens uh, as much on a regular basis. So this one was nice because I revisited why I've loved this pen so much and kind of reacquainted myself with it, which is always nice because like, Drew, you know, we've been doing this for a while. You like will use a pen for a while and then you'll be using other things and other things. And you kind of always hold in your memory like, yeah, I love the Pilot Custom 823 or, or whatever it is, you know, Noodler's Ahab or something that, you know, you may have used a lot a long time ago, but you're like, now that I think about it, yeah. you know, it's actually been three years since I've even used this pen. Do I still actually like it that much or do I just think that I remember that I like it that much? So reacquainting myself with it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do really like this pen. So that's yes. that's always kind of fun. It's like visiting an old friend. I love it. All right, Drew. Now let's get to some new stuff. Nice. <laughs> I was hoping you would do it, but no, you did it great. That was fantastic. I, I did okay. You know, I feel like you're the you're the voice guy. You know? New stuff. <laughs> there you go. Ira, uh, crazy Ira, and the douche. <laughs> All right, new products. Let's talk about the Namiki Yukari Tanuki, which stands let's. For, which is a Japanese raccoon dog, which is a real thing. It sounded to me like something that my kids would make up. You know, well, it's not um, it's not like a real thing, real thing. Yeah, it's an animal. It's an actual animal. You can look it up. It's on Wikipedia. Wait, really? I thought it was like a mythological creature. Well, it's also a talisman, but it it is based off a real animal. Seriously, like look it up. Wikipedia, Japanese. Are they out there now? Like they're alive? Like they're in zoos? Yes, you can see them. They are alive and well running around. They look like. They look exactly like what you would think. They look oh, like wow. part dog, part raccoon. They're like brown. You are not kidding. They run around like dogs, but they have like the face of a raccoon. It's a, it's kind of an interesting looking animal. I did not um, know that. Yeah, right. So like, yeah, there you go. Learned a little bit of, a huh. little bit of stuff, a little bit of culture. Well, I won't be, I won't be googling this too much because, as we know, <laughs> oh, it's got some fun a, things. This is a very clickbaity, yeah. very clickbaity kind of thing. So I'll, I'll lead into what this pen is all about. First off, it's Namiki, please, which is please. for those of you Namiki Pilot, same company, you know, same kind of thing. Namiki is like their higher end pens, so that's what you see all the Makie stuff, right? Yurushi. Um, so this is going to be one of their higher end pens, but it still uses all the same cartridges, converters, a lot of similar nibs and stuff like that. Um, this comes from the same place. So Tanuki are said to be talisman because they bring prosperity and good luck. These legendary creatures are significant in Japanese folklore, art, and sculptures throughout history, and is reputed to be mischievous and joyful. So maybe like the mischievous is the raccoon part and the joyful is the dog part. I don't know. Um, Tanuki are an important figure to business owners because Tanuki welcome prosperity with the figure's eight essential attributes, which are called the eight blessings. So 
I feel like this is a BuzzFeed like clickbait article. It's like, check out the Tanuki's eight blessings. Number eight will shock you. <laughs> yeah, but it's for but it's, real this but time. But it's kind of true. Like, number eight is kind of like... Number eight is oh, very oh, okay. shocking. Yes. So because we don't have a super established audience yet for this pencast, I'm going to err on the side of like thinking about like, you know, families with young children listening to this. So I'm not going to get all into it. It's not like inappropriate, but it's just kind of like, oh, wow, there that is. Okay. It's just a little offbeat. So, um, you know, again, <laughs> I, I, I am not the most like cultured person. And because this is a part of, you know, Japanese folklore and stuff, I don't want to like offend or anything. So I'm just going to like kind of mention it. Like we've got it up on the website, but I'll at least talk about what the blessings are. I won't talk about the thing that represents those blessings because that's the part that, you know, maybe some people might be like, oh, what? Okay. So the the eight blessings are protection from hard times, attentiveness to customers, joyful life and friendly customer service, calm and thoughtful decision-making, virtue, confidence and conviction, balance and strength, and financial luck. And it's the financial luck one that's kind of like, okay, there it is. So you can look it up on our website and see, um, but it's kind of interesting. So some details about the pen itself, though. Um, it's a limited edition, and this is a Yurushi lacquer. So it's, um, you know, like all the higher-end Namikis, these are pens that take a long time to produce. They have very few artisans who are trained, I mean, for years to do this uh, Yurushi lacquer artwork. And honestly, like, it's not easy work because <laughs> I mentioned the whole, like, poison ivy thing. It's the same uh, chemical as in poison ivy, Yurushiol. Uh, that's the active ingredient in poison ivy, poison oak, um, and Yurushi trees where they get Yurushi lacquer from. Uh, it's the same ingredient. So uh, you learned the am, hard way on that one. <laughs> I am highly sensitive to it. Um, yes. But when it's in its fully cured form, it is not toxic. So for the artisans who are working on it, it, you have to be super careful, super cautious. And I've heard not, I don't know for a fact about Namiki's artisans specifically, but I've heard that in order for the artisans to be able to work on these pens, they actually have to sort of ingest and like build up a tolerance to Yerushiol to keep from, you know, basically having a hazard. So they like, it's part of their training, sort of like you think about like spies building up a, like an, a tolerance to like certain, you know, uh, uh, poisons and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? Like James Bond type stuff. Uh, they have that, to ingest it. That's what I'm told. They ingest like a little bit. There's apparently this process again, I'm like getting out of my depth here, but oh anyway, my. we're getting way outside of what's relevant to the Tunuki specifically, but, um, it's basically, it's, it's difficult stuff to work with, but it's, it's a traditional um, technique. It's the hardest like natural lacquer in the world. And uh, it has to, it, it, it's very difficult to work with and takes a long time to cure. Once it's fully cured though, it's like rock hard and looks great and all that kind of stuff. So um, these artisans, they, they put a lot into these. So um, because of this, it's, it's limited edition. There's only 300 pens worldwide. Um, it's produced by Namiki's Coco Kai, which is their Makie group. So it's not one individual artist working on this. The group kind of designed it together and they will kind of like work on different parts. So like one person might do the base layer, somebody else might do some of the outlining, somebody else might do some of the infilling, you know, so they kind of work together on that. And so they sign these pens uh, at, with a group signature. Um, the pen itself has a, an 18 carat number 10 size pilot nib. Again, pilot has their own nib sizing, you know, chart, I guess you would call. Um, but the number 10 pilot nib, that's slightly bigger than 
the Custom 74, slightly smaller than the Custom 823. So it's actually the same size as the Custom 912, if you're familiar with that pen at all. Good nib size, solid. It's probably, it's, it's a little bit, it's like between a number five and a number six, you know, Western nib. Um, but it writes really great and it's got that awesome looking Mount Fuji, you know, two-tone logo on the nib. It just looks so good. That's what they do on on their limited edition pens. Ah, oh, it's like one of the best looking nibs. It really is one of the best looking nibs. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, and it writes so well. I mean, Pilot really knows their way around a nib. Well, um, when we first picked up the, not to make this too long, but when we first picked up the Namiki pens, we were concerned just based on some of the prices of them and whether yeah. or not we were going to be able to clean them out. We were worried about returns. Like, what do we get? What, what what happens when these things come back? Like, a lot of these things, like the Emperors, those are eyedropper pens. How are we going to clean those out and then try to, you know, what do we do with, a, 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 you know, thousands of dollars worth of pen once it's been filled with ink? The answer is they don't come back because yeah, they much. write perfectly. Yeah, they, they write so well. And they're they're warrantied for life as well. So they they stand behind the craftsmanship of these pens. Uh, so definitely cool pen, you know, and basically the reason they're so expensive is because of everything I just explained. The pen itself is is great, but it's, you know, it's largely a similar similar nib to what you could get on a 912, which is going to be in the two to three hundred dollar range. You know, but it's the time, labor, the artwork, all that stuff that goes into it that that's what makes these pens so expensive. Um, so it does uh, come with the Con 70 converter, Drew, which I know we've discussed is, you know, the best converter that you can possibly get. Oh, come on. on. <laughs> Drew's got Over engineered, unnecessary. Oh, get out of here. It's the highest in capacity <laughs> ink converter on the market that I'm aware of. So, and takes twice as much work to fill as a cartridge does. Not if you know the secrets, Drew. If you, you shouldn't just... need a secret, Brian. It's not a secret. It's actually just doing things as the instructions say to do. So it's you, it's fine. If it's you, fine. If you if you are if you RTFM, you'll have no problem uh, reading the um, or filling your pen. So it's better than I'll, I'll say it's better than the Con Forty. Well, much. <laughs> m- I could say many things about that right now, but I'm not going to <laughs> because we are talking about a pro Namiki product here. So um, the pen is $1,800, um, but it does come in this sweet wooden gift box. They, the presentation looks awesome too. So anyway, um, cool pen, cool theme. Any new Namiki that comes out is really exciting. Um, if it happens to fit your whatever, your, your preference, your style, go for it. Next thing I wanted to mention was the Banu Euphoria limited edition. So the Euphoria is a you know relatively newer pen. We've carried it maybe for the last year or so. Um, and uh, they came out with a new line. So this is their spring line. And they are, it's a limited edition. So there's only 150 of each color. And their whole Euphoria, it's, it's a specific style of pen, but they're, they're kind of putting them into like little collections. So they're coming out with like a grouping of them. This is the spring theme. So they have four colors, spring leaf, which is green. Spring bloom is pink. Spring sun is yellow and spring sky is blue. And you can guess which one is my favorite. Um, they are like a pastel kind of color, but they still have lots of shimmer and bling in them because it is Banu and that is what they're known for. Uh, it's got a faceted body and cap, which is really cool. You don't see a lot of faceted pens and it's got a, it's a good number of facets. I forget what, how many facets it is. Is it 12 or eight drew? I can't remember. It's, it's, it's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, and they're kind of rounded. They're not like super sharp. Um, and if you don't love the feel of a facet necessarily, it's not on the grip. It's just on the body and the cap of the pen. So you're still grabbing a round, smooth grip. And it's got number six stainless steel German Schmidt nib. 
in fine, medium, and broad. They're decent writing nibs. They're, you know, basically Schmidt, Bach, Yovo, they all make pretty good stainless steel nibs. So you're going to be pretty happy with it. Standard international cartridge converter. It is also eye droppable. So you got some options there. Um, pens around $122 and it'll be available as long as they are made. So I don't know how long we'll have them. It all depends on how well they do globally. And then Drew, look, you look like you want to say something. Brian, I want to ask you, do you say eye droppable or eye dropperable? Um, technically, Spellcheck thinks that both of those are wrong. So I don't really know, but eye droppable is shorter to type and say. Mm. I I've, think you just said, I've, I've always said eye dropperable, but then you just said eye droppable. I'm like, that kind of sounds better. It does sound better. I think I'm a recent, you know, I'm not going to say I'm like a full convert to eye dropper. Right, well, you didn't. You I've, didn't I've always said eye dropper. I usually say eyedropper convertible. That's what I usually say. Uh, that sounds better. That's probably the correct way to say it. Yeah. All right. I don't want to. I didn't mean to deviate, but no, 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 that no. That was different. That was not what you normally say. You didn't I, clear this change with me. This was off script. I didn't. Well, no, it was actually typed in the notes. So if you had read <laughs> your notes ahead of time, Drew, you I'm might have seen saying. that. <sighs> just giving Drew a okay. hard time. No, I'll I would adapt. Say, I'll I adapt. This is one of those things with fountain pens. Like there seems to be some like standard lingo but there actually isn't everybody just kind of says it and makes it up and it's kind of whatever group consensus that comes to be that then becomes the definitive way to say it and then the established pen users judge newbies for saying it wrong even though we all just made it up anyway so (laughs) yes does that sound about right drew (laughs) yes Uh, Yes. so i think we can say whatever we want but eye droppable or eye dropperable or eye dropper convertible no matter Mm. what you do you can fill the body with ink most people don't even use eyedroppers. So no. the, really the whole concept is ridiculous anyway. We should come up with a new name. You know what? I'm going to challenge Ooh. slash ask our audience here, particularly on YouTube, leave a comment as to what you think a better name is for a pen that you can fill the body with ink. Because originally it was eyedropper because that's what people used back in like the 1920s. But these days... Nobody's really using like glass medicinal eyedroppers to fill their fountain pens. They're using ink syringes really. or something else. So like I'm Opus curious. 88 pens come with one, but that's pretty much that's yeah. pretty much it. I'm not saying it should be like syringable because that's not better either. Though that does sound kind of fun. Yeah. But is there another better descriptor for a pen where you can fill the body of ink and doesn't require some other filling mechanism? I'm curious. I, like I challenge that. And then if we can all agree to it, we will then start using it and then judge other people for saying it wrong after we've established yes! it. How's that sound? Yes. You like that? It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and the last I thing it. I have is the Lamy uh, All-Stars. So the special edition All-Stars that are coming out this year. Normally, they would come out in February in most years. They kind of flip-flopped them with the Safaris. So normally, it would be All-Stars in February, Safaris in April. This is not a hard, fast rule. This is what they've tended to do the last few years. So people kind of got used to it. They switched that up. They did the safaris in February this year. They were going to do the all-stars in April. Well, as you know, now it's the last day of April and they still ain't here yet, but they got a little bit delayed. I think they're going to be here maybe the first week of May. So they're still coming. They're still on the way. They're going to look and, you know, be exactly what you expect. We have a video on it if you want to see that, Um, because we did get samples ahead of time to at least produce a video. Um, Just the actual shipment of them to the U.S. at least got delayed. So, you know, they'll be out soon, but that's happening. And then Drew, you got a couple of things that you you wanted to. Talk I about do have too. a couple of things. Um, so we're going to be picking up a new brand of ink, Diplomat. 
they make ink. And the cool thing about Diplomat is that, or the cool thing about Diplomat Ink is that I'm going to hold up a uh, some swabs that I made. Hopefully, you can see that. I'm going to try to keep them in the middle, but uh, let's see if that is... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can see that. So the neat thing about these is that, in general, if a pen manufacturer decides to start making ink, or if they already have been in that business, they don't tend to be quite as vibrant as and exciting as I think these are. So these really surprise me, Brian. I find that... Uh, you know, the purple, the orchid, the moss green, they're more vibrant, more unique versions of the more standard color palette, especially for a brand that is predominantly a pen brand. Yeah, so I would, I would say it's generally speaking, most pen brands tend to kind of play it safe with their ink colors. They go very conservative, very kind of like watery, a little washed out looking, probably yeah. because like those are just easier to clean out of your pen. They're going to, you know, have probably the fewest, you know, potential whatever misunderstandings about what the ink is and that kind of thing. So they tend to play it pretty safe. Uh, but these are, these are surprisingly vibrant. I like the jewel tones, you yeah. know, there's some interesting, there's no crazy properties or anything that I think would, you know, be suspect or anything, but you know, I personally haven't used any of these in my pens. We just got some samples of it. We're waiting on the full shipment. Hopefully we'll have it by Friday by the time this goes out, but at least we'll maybe we'll have some up on the website so you can see pictures and stuff. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting to know yeah. it and it's exciting to come out with like a whole new line of ink like this from a reputable brand like Diplomat. Absolutely. I was also surprised that they're brown or they're light brown. They have two browns. They have pine tree, which is a dark brown. They have caramel, mm-hmm. which is a light brown. And I was also, I was surprised that caramel is not more often used to describe a brown ink hmm. it's 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 a word that's synonymous with a lighter brown you know across multiple industries but there aren't a ton of caramel inks i think there's like i think diamond has like caramel something it's like a shimmering ink but hmm. i just i was like wait a second why isn't caramel used more often it's like there aren't many other words you could like always understand that's a light brown like associate that with your head anyway i thought that was kind of interesting the other thing i wanted to talk about though was cartridges so generally cartridges are not the most exciting thing in the world but generally cartridges don't come in a ton of variety so private reserve has a good variety of ink they have a nice vibrant variety of inks and we're going to be carrying their cartridges we're going to be carrying their cartridges again we have carried these in the past but they were well received you know we took a break from private reserve for a while but they're back in ink form they're back in fast dry ink form we're we've got more coming down the pipeline and we're going to pick these back up as well now as far as variety of cartridge procurability goes monteverde's pretty much the place to go right now they are packaged in the same exact way that monteverde cartridges are but you get all of your favorite private reserve ink and by favorite i mean spearmint because that's the best that's a good one that's a good one is that your favorite uh private reserve ink true um i think it might be mm, okay yeah honestly i bounce between that and avocado avocado used to be avocado they changed it wait wait which ago. one which one's the wait Avocado is correct. That's the that's oh. the food. That's the that's the the fruit. Did they change it? It's not the wrong way anymore. It used to be avocado. 
I thought it still was. Little little pen history nugget here. Yeah, yeah, ink yeah, yeah nugget. about the guitar thing. So Terry Johnson was an avid guitar enthusiast, and a lot of the Private Reserve Colors, he's the founder who since passed away many years ago, um, was a guitar enthusiast. A lot of the color names for the ink were guitar finish colors. So avocado with an A was apparently the spelling of a guitar finish. It's different than the fruit avocado. And I say fruit, understanding that that could cause some debate as to whether an avocado is a fruit or a vegetable. So I'll just drop that in there and we can debate that in the comments. So if somebody has an older version of this, mm-hmm. it's now more special. <gasps> I would say I did so. not know they made that change because I knew about mm-hmm. the story and I knew that it was once spelled the guitar way and not the actual fruit way, but yeah. I did not know they made the change. I think I think once Terry passed and, you know, the, the company changed a little bit, you know, following that, as you can imagine, the founder yeah. passing away. Um, I think it was just so confusing for people. <laughs> they just changed it because it was easier, you know, and then people like doing like SEO type stuff searches for, you know, yeah. Avo, that's like, kind of just, a bummer. I kind of, I kind of like it spelled incorrectly. It had a neat story, but basically nobody knew what the story was. Even, I mean, we yeah. tried to talk about it, but it's just, it's one obscure ink. And so, you know, yeah. that's a good color. Like, I know I've actually heard of copper burst being a guitar color. I'm not super familiar yeah. with it, but yeah. I bet if you are a guitar enthusiast, you'd look at these colors and see some familiar mm-hmm. terminology. Yeah, and like American Blue and DC Super Show Blue obviously was not. That was a named after the Pen Show. Right. That's one right. of my that's one of my favorite blues. But yeah, a lot of those a lot of those original colors. I don't know how hard fast a rule that is and if that's still the case, but at least a lot of the original PR colors were all uh, guitar finish names. So that's super cool. Dropping knowledge bombs left Boom. and right. So there we go. All right. Hey, Brian, guess what time it is? Drew, if I had to guess, I would say it's time for Q&A. It's time for Q&A. All right. And (laughs) you are going to start off with the first question. Brian, give us one. I'm going to lead off by saying we got so many good questions. It was actually really tough to narrow them down. But we'll try to move through and share some some more knowledge facts for you all. So Knowledge facts. Get them here. First question I have is... Pen nib you grew out of, even though you thought was amazing at first. So what pen have you outgrown, Drew? That is interesting. Um, Let's see, what pen or nib have I outgrown? You know, when I first got my hands on a, it was a platinum modern maquillage with a 14 karat gold nib it was that weird kind of triangular nib that yeah. slid on to the feed i used to be in love with that thing okay and because it had a little bit of a bounce it was my first gold nib and um yeah i just like the way it wrote a lot and it's a good writing pen. I, it is i went back to it however and it wasn't as good as i thought it was just because of the way the feed is it I guess if you hold it low, the feed touches paper essentially. And mm. that bothered me a lot. And may, I don't know if maybe my hand position changed over the years, but it just wasn't as good as I remember. You know, there are pens like the 2000, like the vanishing point where I can go years without writing with them and then pick them back up and be like, Oh yeah, you guys flawless. But I went back to that one. and I was like, Oh yeah, not, not so much. And cleaning is weird. You have to like take it apart and shove the feed out through the back of the grip section. And mm, yeah, okay. yeah, not, not, not as in love with that as I once was. It's still a good pen, but I used to be in love with it. And I guess I have fallen out of love with it. Huh? Okay. Fair enough. Mine, uh, mine goes back 
to, I think this might've been in the first, I, I bought like six fountain pens. I think it was the first time I ever bought a fountain pen, um, back before we were even selling them. Um, and one of those pens was a Pelican script with a 1.0 millimeter nib. Uh, mm-hmm. now I, I will say, I mean, you know me, Drew, I was I had all, some of those. all about that pen. So, um, the pen does write really well. It punches well above its weight class. Um, you like how I used the sports reference, Drew? And I think I used it pow, right. Pow. Um, that said, the rest of the pen is utterly disappointing to me, um, to the point where it was no longer enjoyable for me to use, even though it wrote so well. It's a very light pen, which I don't love. It's a very thin pen, which I don't love. It's a calligraphy pen, so it's like really long and awkward. You can't post it. You know, so it was just like, all right, so that's already not my favorite format. And plus just some of the Pelican pens, I don't know if they're still this way because this is, we're talking over a decade ago at this point, but at least back then the standard international converters would not grab on very well to the pen. So half the time you would unscrew the body and the converter would come off in the pen. And certainly when you were trying to fill the pen with a converter, it like wouldn't hold on. You'd have to like basically hold the converter on as you did it. So you'd have to use use a syringe or whatever. It just got to be more of a hassle than it was worth. I got more pens and I used other good writing stub nibs. But I will say that pen was the one that made me fall in love with stub nibs. So credit to it, but I don't use them anymore ever because I just, I thought it was amazing and it was, but then everything else made it less amazing and I moved on. I will say two things about that pen. One, the exact same thing happened to me, and I was hoping you were going to get to it because the converter would pop right off whenever I would take the uh, barrel off. The other thing I will say, I want to give that pen some credit because that was the first pen I had ever seen that had a hole for ink filling at the front of the feed. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. So, yeah, so you don't have to, you don't have to like get your nib all the way under yeah. the ink to fill it. Yeah. Yeah, that very few pens cool. have that. Pilot has that on a lot of them. Has it on the E23, yeah. Custom 74, a few others as well. 2000 has it. 2000, yep. Well, Boom. technically the 2000 has a filler hole in the grip of the pen, but it's a well, hooded it's, nib and it's, it's really far down yeah, there. It's near the bottom. It's near yeah. the bottom. Okay, it's, moving on, Brian. Moving we on to the next question. question. We have a question that is asking us, do you think any of the ink brands will ever make ink that will show up on black paper? Good question. We get asked about this a lot, especially from people coming over from like the calligraphy world, because you can get calligraphy ink that is pure white. So we get people who are maybe urban sketchers or, you know, artists, they do maybe watercolor, some kind of mixed media, something like that. And they come over to the fountain pen world and they're like, where's my white? Like I want to work in, maybe it's not black (laughs) paper, maybe it's some other dark color. They're like, I I need white ink. Um, And we get asked this all the time. And the answer has always been, well, nobody makes it. And then we came to understand sort of why nobody makes it. You know, Noodler's for a long time was the only brand that had anything white, which was whiteness of the whale, um, which is a small little one ounce bottle. It's pretty expensive. It's in their eternal series, but it's basically unusable. It's kind of like watered down milk. It's like writing with skim milk. It's milky. That's what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, what is this for? You know, essentially whiteness of the whale was designed so that you could uh, lighten up, sort of like dilute another another ink and you can take a red and make it pinker or you could take a purple and make it more pastel violet kind of thing. So it's like sort of like 
all right, that's a pretty niche use. So it was never really a thing. Um, you know, that said, you know, there's the Diatrementis document white, which is probably the best white fountain pen ink on the market for the general population. It's, but yes. it's, but it's still pretty similar to whiteness of the whale. Um, I think it just has maybe slightly less permanent properties to it. And it's in a little bit bigger bottle. Maybe you're, I don't know. I don't really use it. So I'm, I can't really say definitively, but even still it's a milky kind of a color. Um, so, you know, as sometimes happens with questions like these, I was like, you know, I've sort of known the answer to this for a while. Let me dive a little deeper since I'm going to be answering this in video form for all eternity uh, and try and figure out. So, you know, essentially ink is various components, but it's largely water and dye, right? So it's got some other stuff in there. Drew, you can sit back and fall asleep while I talk. Um, But ink is dye-based. Dyes, by their inherent nature, can only make things darker, not lighter. That's just what dyes are. That's how they work. It's like if you dye your hair, you can't dye your hair a lighter color. That's why you have to like bleach it or hydrogen peroxide or something like that to make your hair lighter. You are chemically changing your hair. It's not a dye. You can like bleach it white and then put a dye on the white to make it something else. You know, so anybody who's ever colored their hair is like, I have really dark hair. I've never been able to dye my hair any successful color other than black. You know, Rachel can attest to this too. If you have really dark hair and you try to bleach it, it'll turn orange. And then you try to dye it some other color that'll dye all wash away and you'll end up with orange hair. Uh, I've done it. Rachel's done it. It's pretty funny looking actually, but um, <laughs> it's because it's because you can't dye something lighter. So uh, that's basically what's happening with fountain pen ink too. It's dye based ink. So it's no different than hair dye or clothing dye or anything like that. Um, the only thing that can be white is pigment, right? Now, technically dye has pigment in it. It's very, very fine and it's not very much of it, but the amount of pigment you need for something to be white, it's, it's a lot and which makes it very thick, right? So things like acrylic or oil paint can be white. Um, calligraphy ink is usually some kind of shellac based or acrylic based, uh, ink. It's very thick. Uh, and it can be white, but it's too thick to flow in a fountain pen. So, you know, especially an acrylic or shellac, that's going to dry out in the pen. It's cleaned up with alcohol, which works against the feed, which is usually plastic. So you can only use it with like a metal only dip nib. Um, you know, then you can use white. So those who are doing calligraphy, they are familiar with white, but it's an entirely different animal, the type of ink chemically than what is used for fountain pen ink. So essentially to be concentrated enough to make a white pigment ink that shows up white on black paper, it would be too thick to flow in a fountain pen. That is why you do not see, and unless there's some like miraculous discovery of physics and chemistry that changes our understanding of how dyes work, you will not see a white fountain pen ink that essentially does what people are looking for it to do, which is replace a traditional calligraphy white ink. And the only thing I'll add to that is that, no, no, that's, yes, absolutely perfect. The only thing I'll add to that is that in, on top of what Brian said about how it will, you know, you're not gonna be able to find something that will flow in through a feed. It's not just that you, you need to find something that will flow through it and not destroy your pen because that's the other part of it. It's like, you might find something that you can get from point A to point B and like, Oh look, I am writing with white, but guess what? 
your pen is not going to survive the experiment. I'm sorry to say. It's not a good idea. You put shellac-based ink inside of a modern feed, bye-bye feed. It's just not... It's it, I, you know to sum it all up. It's it's not possible, you know, with our current no. understanding of yeah. science. Yeah. Next question, Drew. I took a risk on this one because I'll be honest and say I don't have an answer. So I was hoping Bring either it you, on. either you would or our audience would. So what can one do about slippery grip sections of pens, the matte metal ones especially? So if you have a matte metal pen. I'm thinking about like maybe a diplomat arrow or okay okay uh you know uh, a lamy ion or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like super slick metal but is a matte metal maybe or maybe even a slick metal. I don't know. We can take some liberty with this question. Is there some kind of hack or something you can do with that? I literally don't know other than like wipe your fingers off on your shirt to make sure your fingers aren't oily before you grab it. And just kind of keep doing that. Other than wiping it, I I don't really know of a hack that you can do that would not cause like, you know, essentially damage to the pen, like taking sandpaper to it to give it more texture. But that would obviously like ruin the look of the pen. I'm stumped. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I remember I had a machine in elementary school you could put a quarter into and it would give you a nice triangular, you know, rubber grip that uh, you could. Sl- <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you don't want that. Um, oh, wow. But no, in all honesty, I don't I have very dry hands. I have more of a problem, you know, making my sure my hands are moist than not. But I would say that two things. One, not so much with the diplomat arrow, because that has a pretty significant step up from the grip to the barrel but with some others like the ion for example you could probably get away actually no that whole thing is metal sometimes you can choke up on a pen a little bit and grip it a little higher up depending on what type of pen it is you might be able to put your hand in a position where it's not right on that grip especially if it has a smaller grip section you can go a little bit toward the back of it and still write you know effectively the other thing i will say is that Keep in mind, you don't need to be putting down a lot of pressure. If you're pushing down on your pen or you're dragging it a little bit too hard, so much so that even if you do have damp palms or damp fingers, your hands are slipping and sliding, you might be putting down enough pressure. Really, all you need to do if it's well tuned is guide it. And I'm talking dragging it and, you know, pushing and not shoving down. Like you really shouldn't be forcing your fingers down the grip section. If you are, like even if you have the dampest palms in history, you know, you, you don't need to be exerting downward force. You shouldn't. Some pens, yeah, you're going to have to. Not all pens are ground equally. We know that. But I would say if that is a problem, if you have a pen you're absolutely in love with and it does have a slippery grip for you, what might be a good uh, course of action is to take it to a nibmeister and get that thing perfected. Even if it's writing okay, a nibmeister can make it perfect so that you don't need to put down any pressure. Hmm interesting thoughts. So if y'all have any other advice or feedback about that, please let us know. The thing I will say, Drew, poking somewhat of a hole in your your triangle rubber grip thing, you, <laughs> just thinking about that, you would have to install and uninstall that every time you cap and recap the pen <laughs> oh, yeah, because be it wouldn't fit. That would be a pretty terrible solution, but I guess... Uh, no, you, how, you need to put the whole thing in like a are. Ziploc bag and seal it up every time you're done. <laughs> wow. All right, moving on. This is uh, This will hopefully be a quick one. Drew, this next one is like, yeah. I'll let, you re- let you read it. So, um, when is when is the Pelican's Golden Barrel ink coming out? Yes. So, I think it was originally supposed to come out in April. And Drew, as you know, from working on our customer care team for nearly seven years, 
Whenever we put any date for anything, as soon as that date comes around, people are like, okay, where is it? You said it was going to be available in April and it's like midnight on April 1st. People are like, okay, where's this thing? You said it would be coming. And it's like, no, it's like we were given a general timeline. April most likely means towards the end of April, probably delayed till May. That's exactly what happened. So as of right now, Golden Barrel has uh, been delayed until late May. That said, could very well get delayed again. It's outside of our hands. COVID life, all these things. Pelican's been really, really disrupted with COVID things. So all of their timelines have been pretty whacked out. So, um, you know, it's going to be at least another month, maybe longer. But there you go. That's kind of how it works. All right, next question. Can I put a Bach titanium nib on a Twisby VAC-700R? I'm guessing they're talking about like a Bach 250 size, um, yeah, which, that, you know, is a number that's six standard, nib. Yeah, the standard one it's, that you see available, you know, at some places, right? Um, so, uh, Brian, speak on this for a second. I'm, I'm, I've actually got both those nibs here. I'm going to compare Yeah, if you want to give it a try. Um, you know, well, I, well, I'm not going to be able to give it a try, but I'm going to show the difference between the two. Okay, go for it. Um, so I will say they are both number six nibs. Um, Twisby does not, to my knowledge, use Bach nibs on their VAC 700R. I don't know if they ever have. I know they, way back in the day, started with Bach. They switched to Yovo, um, but I think that was years ago. I don't think the VAC 700R, which was a redone VAC 700, a redesign, that's where the R comes from, actually. I don't think the VAC 700R has ever had a Bach nib on it. Um, so not that that particularly matters because sometimes Bach and Yovo nibs are interchangeable with each other, especially the standard, like number six size nib, um, for whatever standard there is, cause it's all kind of made up. But, um, to my knowledge, it should more or less fit because the nib is similar. But with that said, the titanium nib is going to be a little softer. So if there is any pressure exerted in any direction in an unconventional way or a way that it's not designed from the manufacturer, that nib could change in its flow or various properties. It could bend it weird, you know, at the arch when you insert it in, it could, the tines could be bent if the feed's pressing up on it in any certain way. So it may fit in the pen. I do not know if it will properly work and flow when installed in a VAC 700R. So this would be something we would, we would have to like ink it up and try it out and do a whole thing. I don't know. Is it really worth us doing that? Maybe, but we have a lot going on. So it's kind of thing like if you all have some, we'd love to know if you've played around with it or heard about it. I haven't heard of anybody specifically doing this, but in theory it could work. So it's worth experimenting if you have both of these things at home. Yeah, so the VAC 700 nib is pretty darn close to a number six, but I actually didn't hear what Brian said. But he probably told you that they are Yovo nibs. They are similar to number six nibs, but they are made specifically for Twisby. So um, looking at a Yovo number six, I actually don't have a uh, Bach here with me, but they to the, to the naked eye, they look very, very similar. I think that the Twisby base section of the nib is a little bit more narrow than the Yovo um a section but but couldn't that, you see that, couldn't you see drew that like maybe the the thickness of the nib material could be slightly different and cause it to fit differently or the curvature might be slightly different like i can see a lot of different absolutely. very very small ways that it could seem like it would be okay but it could end up with some kind of weird 
weird issue. I think it's worth hey, a try. Hey. But you guess know. what? Guess what? Guess what? I what? have I have a Bach titanium nib here with me. All right. So what we're gonna do because we're already going really long, and we already said at the intro that we were gonna do all this other stuff like the quiz. So we're just going to go crazy long on this one and uh, you can ink it up and use it while we keep going on the questions. How's that sound? And we'll come back to this. Oh, I don't need to ink it up. I'm just going to shove it in the grip section. Yeah. Well, t- 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 tell me if it looks weird at least. No, it looks perfectly fine. Okay. So potentially. So it does fit. Does it work well is another question. So it's not going to focus. Mm, no. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the, uh, it's in the. If it's in there. Vac 700 grip section. Yeah. Went right in. Super easy. All right. So there you go. Potentially could work for you. All right. Next question, Drew. Kick All it right. Off. We're going to, uh, we're going to find out, Brian, does subscribing to the restock email on gulaypens.com, I'm assuming, increase the chances of a pen getting back in stock? So the answer is yes and no. I took a little liberty yes. with this question. Okay. So All right. Explain yourself. When, when we have an item out of stock, you can't actually add it to your cart. It has an email me when back in stock thing. You put in your email, it puts you on a list that's magical and it's in the back end of our website. You don't see the list, but we do. And all that really happens is that sets up a trigger for when we put something back in stock for the product that you signed up for. It then sends an email to everybody that has put in their email to say, we have put this thing back in stock. Whether it's one item or a zillion items, that email goes out to everyone on the list. So, you know, the question that you're asking in its purest form, does you putting your name on that actually, you know, increase the chances of it getting back in stock? Automatically, no. Because basically all that's doing is we're, we're putting something in stock and an email goes out and that's it. That said, the nuance to this, if you sign up and it's something that we, you know, are backordered on, or maybe it's a new product that hasn't come in yet. We don't know how popular it's going to be. We're kind of guessing. We actually do look at the email list oh, to I see, see, right? So you see where I'm going with this, Drew? Okay. Yeah. That's so fair enough. Fair we, enough. We do actually look at the list to see like this new random thing. We have no idea if it's going to be popular. Oh my gosh. Look at how many people have signed up on this email notification list this might actually be more popular than we would have initially thought because it doesn't exist yet. We don't know. We're just guessing. We're not going to speculatively spend, you know, exorbitant amounts of money on a guess of every new product because we're launching new products all the time. So we try, it's a, it's a bit of art and a bit of science. We try to guess it accurately, but who knows? So the one side of it <laughs> is that, you know, if a lot of people sign up, we may order more if we see that there's a lot on the list and that could increase the chances of you actually being able to get it because we then have more stock. That said, we don't always get what we order. So it's not really a guarantee. So even if you sign up, a bunch of people sign up, we're like, oh, great, this is really popular. Let's order more. Actual order comes in. We get a third of what we ordered and the email goes out and it's a free for all anyway. So, you know, Signing up for the email, to sum up this whole thing, signing up on the email notification will only help you getting you know the chances. For one, you'll be notified immediately when we put something in stock. That right there is reason enough to do it if you actually want that thing. But it also gives us an indication of what's popular and therefore we might order more, thus increasing the chances of it actually being in stock when 
you get that email notification. So it's, you know, not the most sophisticated system in the world, but it is something that we've actually developed kind of into our fiber or DNA at Goulet Pens. Um, and we actually run like projection reports on the, the, the email notification list conversion, you know, on a new product so that we know, oh, okay, a pen in this price range. Yeah, everybody loves to sign up for this, but nobody actually buys it. You know, we don't want to spend, I'll say like, you know, five, $10,000, like it could be that much on one new product and then nobody actually buys it. And here we are sitting on this inventory, you know, and then we can't have that money to invest in the next new thing that you might actually want. So we have to nuance this a little bit. So we actually run regular reports on things like waitlist conversion, you know, for exactly this purpose. So there's a lot to it, but signing up for that email notification list is only a good thing. So there, Absolutely. kind of a cool question. Yeah. I'm glad, glad it was Yeah, asked. yeah, yeah. Only, the, only good things could come of signing up for the wait list, for yeah. sure. All right, next one. Has a pen ever been so good for you that your desire to buy more pens goes away? And then Katz Riley here sent a follow-up question, which I assume was a continuation of this question. I got a Lamy 2000 and my desire to new pens has disappeared. So again, another Lamy 2000 fan. Drew, have you ever bought something that has like basically satiated all your pen desires and you're, you're good from there on out, even just categorically, mm. you know? No, no. And that has happened in other areas of my life. Like I saw one concert one time and I'm like, you know what? I'm good now. And I really haven't seen a concert since or really wanted to go to a concert since. Um, but so th- I, I get how that can, I get, I get how that can happen. Wait, let's stop you, Drew. You can't just like drop that and then not say what concert you went to. That was like the concert to end all concerts for you. It was it was a band called Manowar. They I think are in the Guinness Book of World Record for the loudest band ever. Um, they're goofy, they're silly, but I saw them in 2005 and it was amazing and perfect and wonderful. And I didn't see it. I didn't go to another concert or even want to go to another concert until we went to see Iron Maiden uh, the year before last. So it was a good long while before, and that one just kind of fell in my lap anyway. But so I get what Riley Katz, Katz Riley is saying, but for me that can't happen with pens because. If I was strictly buying pens for writing, yes, absolutely, I would buy one pen and be fine with it. But I don't. I'm not a big writer. I don't write like when I'm at home in my spare time. I like collecting pens because I think they're neat. I like the materials. I like the colors. And because of that, no, that sadly cannot happen. I cannot be satiated sated with um, just one pen. If it was a functional only, then yes, absolutely, I get it. But unfortunately for me and my wallet... I, it's, it's a more visual thing. Yeah. I, I think for some people, definitely this is the case. And again, like you said, depending on your level of interest in these kinds of things, I mean, how many pens does one person really need? Like in all practicality it happens all the time. I totally get it. Uh, I think because we're like in the business, we're just, you know, it falls in our lap more often. We get excited about it. people ask us about it. So we're more in the flow of being excited about new things. So no, I've never had any pen that has like satiated be like, I'm good now. I have, I have gotten like certain types of pens, like certain like limited editions or special things where it's like, okay, cool. Like I got this one. I'm good. Like on this grouping of pens, like I don't feel the need to get, you know, a lot of times I would feel, I would feel the desire to get a certain type of pen. Like say, say like a Namiki Machia or something. I don't have a vast Namiki Machia collection because they're so expensive even for me. So it's like, you know, I want, I basically want every pen they come out with, but when I actually acquire one of those pens, my desire to then at least have one of them is, is much, much, much lower. And I'm like, okay, if, if a pen in this category comes out, that's like an absolute bullseye for me, like really nails who I am and what I'm all about, 
then I would be interested in that one. But I do not feel compelled to buy, you know, every Namiki Machia just as an example that might come out, you know, because I already have, you know, this one, you know, so that's just one example. So, so it's nuanced, but yeah, for me, it's, it's, uh, no, I, I still keep acquiring pens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a collector thing, not a writer thing, unfortunately for yeah. me anyway. Let's let's skip um, the, skip the next one and go to the last one, Drew, just for time. Okay, sake. so um, this one came through in a YouTube comment, and I'm sorry I did not write down the individual who mentioned this, but they ask a really good question that I think we should mention. Um, why don't we see any sterling silver nibs? We've got titanium, we've got gold, we've got steel, mm-hmm. we've got palladium, but silver, one of the most common, you know, you know, precious metals, it doesn't get nib treatment. And yeah. why is that? Um, yeah, I'm, I, you, I don't know what your answer is, but my my answer is, you know, the fact that, A, they tarnish and they're too soft and they don't spring back. Mm-hmm. That's the reason. They're too soft. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the spring back that's a lot of it. So um, I think we were talking to Dante uh, Del Vecchio uh, years ago about this when he was, um, you know, originally with Visconti, he was testing different nibs. You know, Visconti had gold nibs. They moved to palladium. Now they're moving back to gold. Um, they tested silver nibs as a potential uh, when looking for the palladium nibs first go around. And uh, he he said that they tested silver and just it just didn't have the properties. You know, it would be really soft, but it would be like soft and just like, bleh, like it would just mush out and it wouldn't come back. So yeah. yes, it could, or it could work if you just kept the lightest of touches and didn't really flex it. But, you know, in their testing, it's like you think about like what people, especially people who maybe are newer to fountain pens, don't use them all the time, just don't really think about it. They're going to be they're generally going to press harder because they're coming over from rollerballs and ballpoints and things where you have to press hard. If you don't specifically know to have a light touch and you press too hard, you're going to, you know, do that. And, And it was so easy to do that with silver nibs. You know, so combine that with the tarnish ability and stuff that Drew mentioned, it just it has never made sense to do that. So that's why silver is not really a thing. It's not that it couldn't be, but it just it wouldn't be practical. Yeah. All right. Drew, hypothetical. You you didn't have one for us last time. You have Sorry. one for us this time. So I, I am I am in heavy anticipation. I do not know what Drew's about to ask, so it will be on the fly for me. So what do you got for us? this time all right brian i have asked you this one a while ago it was probably a couple years ago so i'm hoping you either i don't know anyway all right brian you get the superpower to have three i guess it's not a superpower it is an ability to have three condiments toppings whatever come out of three fingers at all times you have an infinite supply if you want some like mayonnaise on anything you have three condiments and that can just come out of your fingertips at any given time. If you're at a restaurant and they don't have the honey mustard that you want or the McDonald's Szechuan sauce that got discontinued or Chick-fil-A sauce that you can just never get enough of, you always have it literally at your fingertips. What are the three that you... And if you want boundaries and borders, I can give you some. So I was going to say, immediately I I follow questions for you. Uh, Um, Okay. All right. So condiments. So... So what classifies something here as a condiment? Like I got a normal condiment. Don't do it. Like, cause, cause you've asked the hypothetical before of like, if you could shoot anything out of your fingers, like right. spaghetti okay. or yogurt for, for or you, for you, imagine anything that can come in a packet or like a single serving that you would see at like a counter okay. after you ordered something in the, so like something a, you a would food, see a food item of some kind. Right. Yeah. Not like what else is a condiment? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm saying like if I could have like gasoline or something and I could just like no, fill my no, car, God. like that would be really convenient, you know? No. Well, okay. I'm just, I'm, I I'm, said condiment. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just finding where the boundaries are. Okay. So <laughs> I do not consume gasoline. So that, that would, okay. Um, so questions. Do I get to choose which fingers they're on? That. Yes. Fine. Yes. Okay. Sure. No, all right, here, here. I'll give it to you. I've, you're I've, not getting your you're not getting your fingers messy, okay? Each okay, finger. That's what I'm thinking generate, about. Because like, you know, okay, like when no. you have a ketchup bottle and you like squeeze it out and it's got that little bit that kind of hangs off. Am I gonna have like ketchup on my fingers on everything that I touch? Like, because then I would no, just I would ge- choose something different, maybe. It generates a a, a, a dime-sized wormhole where and it, for, into okay. an entire universe of that condiment and it just comes out of that portal okay okay do i have to consume it myself or could i sell it you could not monetize this in any way because i'm thinking if i could like be just like pumping like you know some like no caviar for type you, substance out of my fingers you know i could sell for, it and then for you and your good. you and your friends no no you no me and my friends okay how well do i have to know these people could they be like casual like business associates because I could probably like negotiate a little bit, like you know, trade me some pens. I'll get you some like. This is sauce. this is this is what I have to deal with every time I ask him a simple question. <laughs> Everybody else has answers normally. Brian can't do it. No, no. For for those of you who know, no. For those of you who know, like the Myers Briggs profile, I am uh, uh, an ENTP, which is known as the debater. The so whenever Drew asks me hypotheticals, I always debate him on it, even if it doesn't matter which it doesn't right no you now. cannot sell it maybe okay. it's not infinite maybe you only get like you know several cups of it a day and then you run out and then you need okay. to wait okay so a, a reasonable consumable within reasonable, my within my yes. within my private circle of people there okay. you go so like there i could go. provide it for my family but i'm not like selling sure. it okay 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 sure that's what i that's what i thought but i just wanted to i just wanted to to be clear about where the boundaries were All right. for those who for those who may be playing along at home so basically like what are my favorite condiments okay i would I mean, ketchup. Well, not necessarily fav- favorite because ketchup is always available pretty much. You know, I mean, you're usually going to have access to ketchup. Maybe not, something that's not, it's not, not always so available. available. So, you know why I would Maybe you, you know have a why? particular brand you like. Uh, not really. No, I mean, okay. It's all kind of similar. But no, like when I'm, say, like when I'm in the car and I have like some like Chick fil A waffle fries or something, mm-hmm. I'm not like doing the ketchup thing with that. But if I had like ketchup that could come out of my finger and I could be like, like on the fry, like as I'm eating it, like in the car to do it safely, like that would be a win for me. That might actually okay. be worth it right there. I would choose ketchup because okay. I, I like ketchup. I, it's a good all around. Um, I do not like mustard. I do not. I don't like a lot of condiments, actually. I would probably choose ketchup, barbecue sauce. And um, the third one would be uh, uh, Ken's light Caesar dressing. Okay. Because light Caesar dressing um, is not always so easy to come by. But that's like the only dressing. No, actually. Mm, I do like, I like that dressing most universally. The other dressing I'm thinking of is uh, at Sweetwater Tavern, which is like this local chain that's only in the DC area. They have a, like this buttermilk ranch type thing. I don't like, I've never had any other buttermilk ranch that I like. But that dressing at that restaurant is amazing. And so I maybe Sweetwater, butter, that or the Caesar dressing. I would have to think about it more. None right. of this matters. I, would I don't go- know why I'm debating it so much, but. <laughs> well, that's, it's you. All right. I would do cayenne pepper because I put cayenne on pretty much everything. Half and half because I go through it constantly. Save, I'd save some money if I, mm-hmm. if I did that. Um, and then you're going to like this one. The jalapeno 
pump cheese from Fuddruckers. Ooh, that that hot. Yeah, it's not quite. It's in che- that big. It's not quite cheese whiz, but it's like it's not quite. It's it's not quite real cheese either. No, no, not not real cheese. It's the plastic cheese, but it has pepper uh, jalapeno bits in it. Yeah, and that's it a is. good one. Drew, yeah. we haven't done a good Fuddruckers in a while. Man, we need to do that sometime. Is it still there? Is it is it still at the truck oh, stop? Oh, I don't know. I would imagine so. Yeah. I hope COVID, COVID hasn't killed it. Yeah, I think as soon as COVID hit, Rachel and I were like, well, we're definitely mm-hmm. not going there because if you're going to get COVID, yeah. it's going to be at a truck stop Fuddruckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's the hypothetical. Brian was only slightly uh, incorrigible. So that's right. We can we can thank him for that. There we go. We're going so long. I like don't even want to do this segment, but we already teased it. So we're going to do it, but we're not going to debate it super heavily because it's kind of dumb anyway. But Let's go to the next segment, which I'm calling That Smarts. So it's like a quiz-based type thing. I'm doing this as a proof of concept, not necessarily because this quiz in particular is like a bullseye. So long story short, as we've been researching different segments for the show, I've got all kinds of ideas and things I'm throwing in there. So I found this website called How Stuff Works. We have no affiliation with them. Uh, But I was looking for like fountain pen trivia, like fountain pen quizzes. Um, basically nobody has any, so we would have to make one up, but then we would know the answer. So I, I don't have like a good, like fountain pen quiz type thing that I could go out and find. Uh, but in my search for a fountain pen quiz, I found one, a couple that were like sort of writing related. So I was like, let's try the concept of doing a quiz. And then maybe we can like do more work to come up with one, but I didn't want to go through all that work to prepare one if it was a terrible concept anyway. So that said, I've looked at these questions just as a proof of concept. I don't actually know the answer. So Drew and I are going to go through these together. We're not going to do it for anything real. It's just be for pride. This might be a terrible concept, but if you're sticking with us at this point, you know, you're, you're probably, your standards are lower anyway. So either that or you, you don't know how to turn it off. That's right. Or you like, you, you've fallen asleep on your sofa and (laughs) you you woke up and you're at this and you're like, what are they talking about? Um, so Drew click through onto the link. We're going to do this. Okay. I don't even know how many questions this is, but we're going to go through quickly and try and do this. So the first question, I have not seen any of this. Okay. So the quiz is try your best to pass this 1953 school supplies quiz. So I guess this is questions about school supplies that were around in 1953, which point of fact was before both my parents were born. So I don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge of this, but I thought it'd be kind of fun. All right, so a strange... Oh, my phone's going off. Okay, sorry. A little daybreak there for you for any community fans. All right. <laughs> Demonetized. No, I'm kidding. We're not monetized anyway, so there's nothing to D. All right. A strange substance used early in school in 1953, but also in place of milk in cereal ads. What is it? There's a multiple choice. Elmer's glue, oil of milk... Cream or sand? Well, they have a picture of glue. I know, right? I know it's Elmer's glue because Elmer's glue is made of casein, which is a milk-based product. Well, Um, why would they put a picture of it? That's like, that's, well, I'm going to say oil of milk just because I refuse to believe that they would be that I think it's, I know it's Elmer's glue. I know it's Elmer's Elmer's glue. Come on. There you Man. go. Correct. Elmer's glue. It's a picture glue. of Elmer's glue right there. Why would they ask a quiz and then literally show you the answer? Well, try not to let that disrupt you too much. I think it's a hint. I don't think this quiz was made for people that, you know, have a lot of other things to do. All right. All right. When spelling was in question, to what would the wise 1953 student turn? A spelling book, dictionary, encyclopedia, or thesaurus? 
I'm going to go with spelling book because it's the only thing that seems weird. And I'm going to say dictionary because that seems very obvious. Wrong. It is a spelling spelling book. book. How is a spelling book different than a dictionary? They are never used anymore. Essentially, spelling books were designed to allow spell checking, but not bother with definitions to to save save space. space. Huh. How about that? Okay. We've learned something. There we go. Turn papers or spelling books. So it literally is just a book of words. So you could know how to spell something. Okay. As long as you Mm -hmm. know generally how it was spelled, I guess. Now we have spell check and none of this matters. Okay. (laughs) Designed to keep one's food a pleasant temperature. You don't see these around much anymore, at least in schools. What was this handy supply? Lunchbox, cooler, fridge, or thermos? Well, it's got a picture of a thermos and a lunchbox here. I'm going to say thermos because we grew up in the 90s and thermoses were definitely still a thing when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And they matched your lunchbox. Boom. Thermos is a correct answer. Yeah. Thermos was a revelation. Okay. So they say. All right. Next one. Lines, holes, and cheapness define this paper. What kind of paper might it be? Blotter paper, loose leaf paper, graph paper, or construction paper? I mean, construction paper definitely has some cheapness going on. It's going to be loose leaf paper, right? Right. But it, but it does, but it, yeah, it doesn't have lines, holes, and cheapness. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be loose leaf. Loose leaf paper. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, okay. loose leaf. Um, pretty straightforward. All right. Okay. Home economics had some unusual items required in 1953. Which of the following was one of them? Spreadsheets. <laughs> economics. Adding machine. Fedora or egg timer? Wow. Fedora? Like a hat? Why Why would that be part of home economics? And it has a picture of eggs. Come on. It's an egg timer, obviously. Home economics yeah, is like an egg timer. cooking and like stuff like that. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I egg always timer. use my fedora when I cook. Okay, this one I genuinely don't know the answer to. Okay, no math test could be taken without one of these unless you were a genius. What is it? Number two pencil, slide rule, abacus, or spreadsheet? Or sorry, cheat sheet. Cheat sheet. I like that one. That last one was I'm, kind of I don't, I don't. I don't even think a genius could take a math test without a pencil, personally. But I'm thinking specifically 1953. I mean, it's got to uh, be an abacus, right? Abacus? Like, slide rule. I know my parents talked a lot about a slide rule, but I feel like that wasn't until, like, Abacuses 60s. are super old, though. They are super abacuses old. Are, but the slide rule, that was revolutionary. But it's not that you couldn't take any math test. You couldn't do like trigonometry and calculus without a slide rule. But I don't think that was 53. I think that came later. I think the, I mean, the slide rule was like what put like the Apollo on the moon. Like that was like, that could not have happened without a slide rule. But that was the 60s, not the 50s. Yeah, I feel like abacuses are, abacus I are like pre-1953. Oh yeah, they're like thousands of years old. Right, like did they still use them in 53? I don't know. I'm going to say abacus, but it's probably a pencil. I'm going to say Dang slide it. rule. It's oh, a, it's a pencil. It's a pencil. Oh, come on. That's too oh, okay. obvious. Were, I know. They, <sighs> oh, God. That's... They threw us off. They overcomplicated it. All yeah. Right. They were... Mm. The, uh, this product was reserved for the older students, but could still prove disastrous if mishandled. What was it? Rubber cement, paste, scotch tape, or masking tape? It depends on... It can... Yeah. A lot of paste ingested could be disastrous. But I'm going to say rubber cement. I'm going to say rubber cement because that, I feel, could be most disastrous. Correct. It's a brilliant invention. But, uh, yeah, the downside is if the solvents that keep it in a liquid form aren't something that one wants little children exposed to. Yeah, obviously. 
Ugh. I don't think they allow rubber cement in school anymore. <laughs> I really don't. Nor should they. Nasty stuff. All right. This tool was used by teachers to show students the world, and it was as close as 1953 could come to virtual reality. What do you think it is? A stereoscope, telescope, Nickelodeon, or microscope? Nickelodeon. No, not Nickelodeon. Darn it. Um, Virtual I just reality? Gave you a you said not Nickelodeon. He already clicked on the answer. No, I didn't. It's definitely Nickelodeon. Definitely choose Nickelodeon. Mm, I don't think so. Dang it. Uh, virtual reality? The picture say, makes it look like a um, It view makes it master. look like one of those Viewmasters. Yeah. See, yeah. threw you off there, Drew. See? Uh, well, Nickelodeon, say, that, that was, Nickelodeon was like a type of... Microscope. Nope. Dang it, stereoscope. The, the answer is stereoscope. Shoot. Nickelodeon was like a type of movie, like a moving picture sort of thing. Yeah. That, that, I don't know why I thought that. All right, here we go. We got a pen question. Ooh. This, this older kind of pen meant filling it was easy, though one wouldn't want to climb aboard a flight with it. What was it called? <laughs> oh, hang on. Oh, come on. Cartridge fountain pen, piston oh. filling fountain pen, ballpoint pen, or vacuum filling fountain pen. Ooh. See, this is actually a good question. The average person would not have a clue what this is asking. See, vacuum filling pens are good for flights, so it can't be that Were they good in 1953, though? Could they seal in 1953, or were they just filling? Drew, if we get this wrong. Cartridges cartridges are okay. It's got to be piston or vacuum, right? I think so. But ballpoint pens, they were not reliable in 1953. Oh, gosh. I'm going to say piston filling fountain pen. Oh, my gosh. I'm probably... Am I wrong? No, that's correct. Okay. Woo. You're right. Very good. Okay. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Good deal. Okay. Woo. All right. I feel... I feel cool. Legit. A relevant question. Finally. It's getting awesome. more relevant as we go. I don't even know how many questions there are, so we could just go forever. All right. This ink was often used with dip pens and brushes in school and remains an art school staple. What is it? India ink, fountain pen ink, watercolor or washable ink. All right, if it, was a, if it was used for dip pens, it's not going to be fountain pen ink or washable ink or watercolor. Or water it's got to be India, it's right? India, yeah, it's, India yeah, it's, it's got to be India for sure. Yep. yep, yep, correct. Yep. Due to its viscosity and pH, it doesn't work in all fountain pens. None. Okay. Tough, rough, and colorful. What kind of paper do you think meets that description? Bond paper, graph paper, carbon paper, or construction paper? Come on, construction paper. They have a picture construction of construction paper. paper. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Okay, moving on. Oh, it's this is me. Black. That's my video. That's those you. are my hands. Drew, those are my hands. <laughs> okay, I did not scroll down saw... this far. That's this is funny. literally okay. I got to screen grab this. Whoops. Oh God! Oh, I can't scream. That is funny. I, I oh, it says the Goulet Pen Company via YouTube, so they did give you credit. They did give me credit, but they did not ask me about it. All right, that's funny. Of it. I wow, just that's I, really I saw Noodler's Black, and what is that? That has to be a that's a Twisby uh, vac filler. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's well, so we funny. should definitely know the answer to this one, shouldn't we? A kind of pen wow. made it made it possible to travel with an elegant pen by plane or carry one without fear of leaking. What was it called? Duh. Vacuum filler. Vacuum filling pen. It's my friggin' hands. Wow, that's really funny. I honestly did not know that this was in here when I was vetting this. That's okay, awesome. Next one that we have is not my hands, but it's clearly a more modern fountain pen video person. 
Um, mm-hmm. This type of ink flows freely and was thus used by many a student because it obviated the need to constantly have an inkwell at the ready. Come on. Stamp ink, non-photo blue ink, sumi ink, or fountain pen ink. Come on. It's showing fountain. a bunch of bottles of fountain pen. It's fountain pen ink. <laughs> yes, correct. It was a staple in 1953. It was used in many penmanship class, if not elsewhere. Okay. Wait, hold on. Used to care. Huh? Oh, oh okay. I, th- I, thought, I thought you were. Are you moving on to the next question? I'm moving on, yeah. It's fountain pen ink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's the ink that flows freely freely that was used by students in 1953. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were reading the next question. I'm like, that's not what mine says. Okay. No, no. The next question says, used to carry the bulk of one's things in school. This handy item isn't seen much anymore. What is it? A book strap, knapsack, belt, or book bag? (laughs) I always think of 30 Rock when I hear knapsack now with Weird Al's song, remember? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I dropped my knapsack. Knapsack. Oh, All right, I'm going to go with bookstrap because it literally shows a picture of a bookstrap. It's a bookstrap. It's got to be. Yes, correct. Yeah. Come on, how stuff works. You got to change up your images a little bit. All right, this tool was very useful for performing math functions. What was it? Adding machine, typewriter, abacus, or sp- what is that? Spec- Spacalatus. Spacalatus? Is that even a thing? Oh, well, that's definitely the answer to this because it shows a picture of an abacus, but it's clearly a misdirect sp- because spacalatus is the no, wrong it's abacus. Answer. It's abacus. Yeah, I know. I just clicked on it. I know. I, know. <laughs> I gotta look up as a spacalatus a thing. All right. How many questions are there, Drew? This is too uh, long. Let's make oh, this a yeah, last. No, no, no. We're, we're not even halfway done. All right. We're going to cut it off after this question. All right. The convenience <laughs> made, this convenience made travel easier and it meant fountain pens were really only Ooh. for signing letters. Oh. What was it? Highlighter, dip pen, ballpoint pen, or radiograph? Uh, rapidograph. Rapidograph, sorry. Rapidograph, yeah. Which is well, like, a, that's fitting, like, a technic, that's like a technical pen. How fitting that the end of our quiz would also be the end of the fountain pen heyday. But hey, not if we have anything to say about it, right? Still, it's a ballpoint. Ballpoint pen is a leak, but they were far less likely to do so than fountain pens. And they had the added convenience on working well with carbon paper, which made paperwork much easier. Due to these, fountain pens were often relegated to signing letters. Wow, what a bummer of a question to leave out on. Well, yeah, I don't know how I feel about you. How stuff works? Yeah, you steal that my, was okay. You, you steal my videos without permission. <laughs> 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 you mislead us. You give us the obvious answers, and then you mislead us yeah. on others. I don't know. That could, that could have been better. <laughs> we may not return to this one. We may or may not. But you know what? I, I do re- like the idea. I, I do like the trying. idea of a quiz. I do like the idea of a quiz segment. Um, I do but, too. Uh, I just need to find a quiz that yeah. doesn't suck. You know, yeah, (laughs) but anyway, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. We have gone super long. So we are going to test all of you who said, no, please go as long as you want, because that's exactly what we've done today. I think because we like recorded the segment. Wait a minute. No, we recorded. Yeah, we did record in two segments. Yeah, this is like super long. Not only so not only did we like botch the first time we recorded it but then with the second time we went to record it we didn't have enough battery power to go the full length so we had to swap batteries in the middle so then we had to like stop and pause and we took a bathroom break and everything so it was like i have no idea what time it is or what day it is or what direction i am <laughs> who am i even we've gone so long i lost all concepts of time like the timer that you know, I'm you know at I, now, I feel like i feel like a good um I don't even. I don't know if you said it on this one or if it was the first botched recording. But you said I'm not a hot mess anymore. I'm a, I'm a lukewarm mess. Like, this has been a lukewarm feel, mess of an episode. I think. Yeah, yeah. 
we're, we're testing all of you to see your resolve on whether or not you think this is a valid concept of a show. Um, so we're going to find out right now if that's actually the case. So we did pack it full of some fountain pen stuff, but we also packed it in just as much irrelevant stuff and just made it a lot longer of a video. So, um, you know, let us know what you think if you liked it in video form and if you ever get a chance to listen to it in audio podcast form, because if I ever get it set up properly, um, you can let us know if you like hour and a half long audio podcasts, because it's like a full length feature film at this point, And I don't even know what the heck is going on. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this up, shall we? Thank you so much for watching and listening. Um, please leave us feedback on how we're doing um, and ask us questions so that we can answer them on the show. Be sure to check out gulepens.com for all of your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs because that is what helps fund this nonsense and tomfoolery. Um, and like and subscribe us on YouTube, Instagram, and all of the other channels. And leave us five-star reviews on um, Apple so that they do not reject our feed for whatever reason, which they didn't give me a reason. Um, if you have questions specifically for the show, you can email us at pencast at gulepens.com. Um, yeah, we would love to get some of that stuff. And I'm going to leave you with a random fun fact for this week. The TI-83 calculator, which was like the staple of what Drew and I grew up with um, in school, and they still sell, and it's still like $150, Drew, BT dubs for when your son gets to that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're still there, even though you can do the same thing like with your phone. Anyway, the TI-83 calculator has six times more processing power than the computer that landed Apollo 11 on the moon. So if that's crazy, if that now relatively dumb calculator was that powerful, just think of how powerful a modern smartphone is compared to what NASA had at their disposal. So anyway, we're grateful for this technology because it allows us to broadcast total nonsense to you all. And you can stream it onto your TI-83 and watch it. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending so much time with us this weekend. Hopefully you were not offended and skipped through every five or 10 minutes, but if you did, you know what? That's okay because we're just doing what we do. That's about all I got. Drew, any wise words as we exit? Thank you. And I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> Thanks everybody. And right on. Bye. <laughs>